Welcome back to Between Two White Coats, a podcast designed to help you be the healthiest version of yourself. I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, a family medicine doctor. And I'm her co-host, Amber Foster, a family nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We're discussing key issues surrounding health and wellness, answering some of our biggest questions, overcoming health obstacles, and giving patient-centered advice in hopes of educating you and providing the tools you need to live a healthy life. If you find our podcast helpful, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will help other people find our podcast. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to serving you. Welcome back to Between Two White Coats. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Amber and I are going to talk about something today that we could talk about forever, forever. Um, which would would honestly make you kind of wonder why we're wearing white coats if we can talk about this forever. Yes, <laughs> our broken healthcare system, yeah. our country's broken healthcare system. Uh, in preparation for this, really, the preparation for this is our life. But in preparation for this, I Google broken healthcare mm-hmm. system and get like flooded (laughs) with people begging you know writing wonderful articles out of harvard out of nih everywhere um begging for people to pay attention to the fact that our healthcare system is very broken and i don't know if it's common knowledge you know i'm saying things to patients these days that they look more surprised than what i think they should um your patients will say it's taken me four weeks to get in to an orthopedic where it used to take me four days and i'm like well you know a lot of doctors and nurses left the healthcare system during the pandemic yeah so we can't get people in places there's just so many things yeah and i think sometimes too like when things are broken and i say this about when patients feel bad i'm like you don't realize how good you feel until you feel good yeah and so like we just have kind of come to expect that well we're gonna have an issue anytime we have to write a prescription or make an appointment or try to get something completed for your, um, like get a scan or something. Um, and so you just expect there to be a problem. Like it doesn't ever seem to go smoothly. You're so exactly I think right. that oh, we, we've normalized how bad. ridiculous it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've just normalized the bad. And so, um, and I don't know that it's ever really been great, but I feel like it has just progressively gotten worse. And from our standpoint, like it breaks my heart for patients. Yeah. Like over and over again, it's not, I mean, we're all suffering because we're all patients. Yes. But the people that are sitting in front of us, I'm just like, oh my goodness, we can't fix it. The two of us, I mean, I will try because you know my personality. I will, I will go yes. guns a blazing trying to help, but, um, but the two of us just can't do it. Like it has to be a collective effect. Yes. Um, so as you say, it breaks your heart. Yesterday, I'm uh, just yesterday, this happens probably every time we see patients. I'm sitting with a patient who's 60 um, and she has COPD and she uh, has no insurance. She Her COPD is at the point that she can't work. And so oh, and she lost this patient. I know who yes, you're talking about. She lost her insurance job, at job. work. Yes, because she can't work. She did not qualify for disability. Um, and she can't get on. She's 60. I, she's 63 because I remember thinking, I can't keep you alive two years to get on Medicare. I don't think this woman will be alive in even one year. Her And she is trying to 
purchase oxygen on her own, purchase Which is not cheap. No. And and is even hard to access. Yeah. Like, how do you even go about getting it? Yeah. Um, uh, she's waking up in the middle of the night with her oxygen levels at critical levels because she's trying to ration the oxygen and not wear it all the time because she has to stretch it so far financially. Um, and she's showing me uh, there's so much going wrong. And then she shows me the spot on her leg that really needs biopsied. And I'm thinking, how are we going to get that biopsied? This could be a melanoma or something, but how are we going to get that biopsied? Um, and it, it's like the whole visit, I just thought the barriers to getting her the help she needs are so big. And I make a, a note on the bottom of my note to the billing team saying, hey, I'll see her for free. We're going to need to put money toward her inhalers and other things. We're calling the pharmaceutical companies, try to get her samples. But this is, it is a huge mountain this poor woman's climbing. She has no assistance. Yeah. She's trying everything. And which, without violating your HIPAA, I know who you're speaking of. She doesn't have a big family support system either. So you're having, you know, you she's, I'm sure she feels isolated yeah. and like, and so, she's working hard to navigate it. Yeah. And, and is well versed. Um, but every time she learns more, she learns more obstacles. Yeah. So it is, I, so, there's a million things we could list off for what frustrates us and what we feel is broken in our healthcare system. But if you changed one thing, what would be the one thing that would stand out to you? It's so hard to it's choose one. It's so hard to choose one. Um, which Shelly and I were kind of talking a little bit before we, we pushed play, but I don't think people realize the value of primary care. And so like if that's, if that's the one thing that I could just be like, hey, you need a good primary care. It doesn't have to be us, but like to find someone that you trust, that you have a good rapport with, like you mentioned, like this patient is self-pay. We have the ability to say, we will see her for free mm -hmm. because we know that like we value her, we value her life. She has been our patient for a very long time. And like, we would rather care for her well um, and help her and navigate help the her. system because we at least understand yeah. a little bit We're, more about it. And also, like, where she's not going to urgent care and she's not going to ER every time she needs something, that she's coming to us. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I kind of joke that our, our name is Our Family Health, but I really feel like that kind of needs to be, like, if we see everybody as, I tell my medical assistants, I tell my students that come in, like, you treat this person like it's your grandmother, like yes. it's your dad, like it's your cousin, like it's your sister. Um, it makes a difference. It and does. so I feel like if I could do like one thing from a medical community standpoint is make people care a whole lot more. And I don't know that that's, mm -hmm. I don't know that you can teach people that. Um, and then also for patients to realize like, get a primary care that you trust, that you feel like you have a good rapport with, that know you when you come in, um, because that does make a huge difference. And at least navigating the broken healthcare system that you may encounter. You cannot use an urgent care as your primary care. Yeah. Um, you can use an urgent care for the weekends when you have a UTI and your primary care is closed or for after hours or things like that. Urgent cares exist for a number of excellent reasons. And we're thankful you, for them. You cut your arm, you need it sewn up, <laughs> you should pop right in there. And we are so thankful yeah. for them. Um, but there are too many stories of that recurrent fever in a kid and they went to this urgent care and it was diagnosed as a UR, as a upper respiratory infection. They went to this urgent care and it was diagnosed as some other kid infection. And then there was no continuity and it was cancer. Yeah. Um, because recurrent fevers are t sometimes bad things. Yeah. But if I'm seeing you 
for the same thing over and over, I start going, why didn't you get better? Yeah. What's going on here? I can put together all the pieces because I have all the pieces. You can't yeah. have the pieces spread everywhere. Yeah. Um, things get missed. And and you need someone who, like you said, is going to advocate for you. You need someone who knows you well, who knows your family, um, who sits and talks about stuff besides just the fever. Yeah. You know, when you come into an urgent care with a fever, they're dealing with fever. Yeah. Um, and, and we need to deal with all of it. So, yeah. yeah I think that's an excellent one. That's not even one that I had thought of in my laundry list of <laughs> uh, things broken in the healthcare system. But um, we devalue primary care. As um, as a doctor, I came through training for med school with the devalue of primary care. Um, I will not forget the people who asked me, my fellow medical students, what I was going to do. I always wanted to be a family medicine doctor. And I also had a degree in anatomy, and they were like, you're not going to be a surgeon. Uh, that's obvious because I was good at anatomy. They thought I'd be a surgeon. But then they'd be like, you're way too smart to do primary care. And I was like, like what, what in the holy world are you talking about? So primary care has to know all of it. Yeah. All of it. You better be really smart. Like if you if you specialize in the mitral valve, I don't feel like you have to be as smart as me. Yeah. No, we're we're all smart. smart. We yeah. all have to be smart. But but it really it's devalued even in training. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like I had um uh, I had made a post just in general, like not with our family health, but about uh, death by suicide. And someone said, and I talked, you know, if you were depressed, go see your primary care. And I had someone comment like, well, they don't listen to me. And I'm like, well, then find another one. Yeah. Like y- if you come in and you don't love us um, or you don't, you don't feel like there's a connection, like there are other primary cares. Like it sounds horrible. Shop around. Yeah. Like you don't have to come you in shop every around time. for a mechanic. Yes. You shop around for a hairdresser. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's not someone that you feel like you are connected to or that you feel like you are valued when you see them. Or it's just not a fit. Yes. You know, not everybody. I am not for everybody. No. I know that. We are not for everybody. <laughs> Amber's going to Amber's gonna yell at you if you don't I know. feel like you're supposed exactly. to. If, if you're tough sensitive, love. that could be a challenge. <laughs> um, I, when you say even death by suicide, it makes me think one of the things when I was pulling from different what's broken in our healthcare system is we in the United States have the highest cost healthcare system with some of the lowest outcomes. And one of the lowest outcomes we have is death by suicide. We we have low outcomes in um, uh, morbidity and mortality in maternity and delivery. We have uh, bad chronic disease management. We have a lot of chronic diseases. Um, but our morbidity and mortality rates are high, uh, and we cost the most. Yeah. So we're not, it doesn't make sense. We're not getting the bang for our buck. Yeah. We're spending money on things that don't make sense. Like we're spending money on things like defensive medicine. Um, we're trying to not get sued. I learned more in medical training about how to avoid lawsuits than I learned about nutrition. Um, and and I needed to learn that. I don't fault the people who taught me. I um, I in working with everybody here. I'm always like, if we got called to the stand, what would we say? Um, what would we do? And so do we order CAT scans and MRIs at times to CYA, as we call it, mm-hmm. cover your fill-in-the-blank? Um, yeah, we order stuff for CYA. Yeah. Um, I'll tell patients sometimes, I need you to do this because it makes me feel about my, better about my life for you. Like, I, this is probably not what it is, but it makes me anxious that it could be. Yes, and now there is one thing where we're ruling out the bad yeah, stuff. Really, it is our job stuff. to rule yes. out the bad stuff. So if I think you have a brain tumor, I'm going to get order, a brain yeah. MRI. But if I think I'm going to have to explain to a jury why I didn't order an MRI and that's why I order an MRI, I don't tend to go there that much, um, yeah. but we're yeah. trained that way. 
today. Um, We are a very medical legal society and there is a cost to that. So we're putting cost to things in healthcare that um, are not the patient, that are not the best care. Which brings me to my one thing that I would fix. It's an easy one for me. I would fix the insurance companies, and I am choosing to not cuss before I say insurance companies. I have said many times, if if you see burnt down buildings of insurance companies, it might be the medical community who did it. It is not only frustrating for the doctors and the medical providers, it is frustrating for the patients. There, There is one huge benefit for what's going on with insurance, and that is the financial gain of the insurance companies. Um, somebody has to govern insurance companies. Um, I say every day in some fashion or another, somebody has to govern insurance companies. Someone has to stop the fact that this massively for-profit for insurance Um, is hurting doctors and hurting patients. Um, I have a patient who's in kidney failure because it took us three weeks to get a CT scan approved. She had a kidney stone. She is a young person in kidney failure, and we could not diagnose and treat a kidney stone because the insurance company would not let us get a CT scan. And I made three phone calls, stopped seeing patients, and called the doctor at the insurance company to justify the CT scan on three different days. The first day, the person wasn't available at the insurance company, so I held for a prolonged period of time while my patients waited for me. And then the second day, I talked to someone, took them through the whole thing. Well, I wasn't talking to the right person who does CT scan approvals. So finally, on the third day, then they took a week, I talked to the right person, they take a week to approve it. Well, if you have an obstructing kidney stone for three weeks, that urine has backed up those toxins into your kidney for three weeks, your kidney's not going to recover. And often when I have, when I, I don't ever mind doing them for patients. I will put a block on my schedule and do them. But oh, often, I mind doing them. You mind doing them. <laughs> not for the patient. The patient didn't create the system. I mind doing them because the insurance company is simply creating a barrier yeah. for that person getting timely care so that they can try to not yeah. give the care. Well, often what I'll say to them, very, I, I, you know, a little passive aggressive. That's my personality. I'm like, well, did you read the note? Yeah. Because it's in my note. Yes. And they didn't read my note. And I'm like, I have just held or talked to somebody for 30 minutes going through all the obstacles and it is when I already sent you I already sent you all this information are you kidding me right now but they just have a reflex that says oh well this requires a phone call or prior authorizations for medicines and and we always end up kind of being made the bad guy because someone can't get the medicine that we prescribed and the patients will say well just do the PA and I'm like I and and patient that no no fault to them they have no idea no what that to entails them. they don't understand they don't know they're like oh well you can just do this PA and I'm like well your insurance is never going to approve this medication because it is not inten- they don't want to approve the medication exactly. I can write I mean I had patients bring in paperwork that I've done appeals for where I have written letters and it is just absolutely and, impossible and the PAs just so that people have an idea that the prior authorizations typically have very ridiculous steps that the insurance company has said. So let's say I want to get you an antidepressant and you have not done well on this one and I really feel like this is going to be the one for you and and you're desperate and you're not doing well. Um, I don't want to fail two more. We've already failed one, had pretty significant side effects. In my mind, I've said, I don't think SSRIs are going to be the answer. I'd like to jump to this newer medicine. And they have a very specific, you must fail three medicines before we will give you that 30 days apiece. Yes. So we're looking at three months And you have to go fill them. Yeah. yeah, 
And so in 90 days, I can prove that you failed three medicines. And I'm I'm really now wondering if we're going to become suicidal yeah. in the next weeks. And I'm nervous. And insurance companies will cost themselves more money um, by now I have to have an inpatient stay in a psych ward because you denied the medicine so many times. Yeah. Um, I just recently had a family member who was having shortness of breath, and we thought we better rule out a pulmonary embolus. And I only know this happened because I was the the family member who was trying to care for them, um, and we attempted to get a stat CT scan of their chest to rule out a blood clot in their lungs, which would ultimately kill them. Which would <laughs> kill them if we. And so it got approved for the insurance company approved it for an imaging center forty five minutes from us. Thank goodness we have the ability to do that. Some of our older patients can't get mm-hmm. drive forty five minutes somewhere, um, and it got approved for four days later. And so knowing what I know, I said, well. If your O2 sats drop or if these things happen, I'll take you to the emergency room and we'll get the CT scan all, you know, as we need to. And gratefully, we figured out other things and, and we ended up not having to go down that road. But um, you would have been dead if you had a pulmonary embolus or by the time that we could have got to the ER, that. the cost of an ER visit and versus And so what has the CT? insurance company done? They've actually run up the cost of health care by denying what and and we frequently will try to keep people out of the ER one of our nurse practitioners has many years experience in the ER and I was talking to her yesterday and she's like I hope I'm not sending too many people to the ER but you know I know these sick people and they're getting admitted I said you're not at all and um she said I'd like to keep people out of the ER um and I said well sometimes you can't because you're not going to be able to get that stat scan Mm -hmm. um you know if we could get your your head scanned right away we could keep you out of the ER, but we can't get it approved. Mm-hmm. Now, the hospital would take you. They'd get the scan done, but the insurance won't approve paying it, and that mm-hmm. takes like four days. Yeah. And if I think you're having a stroke, I can't hurry up and do that. So what do we have to do? Yes, send you, you know, right ER. in and, and get the scan through the ER because that's the only way it gets done yeah. in a stat way. Yeah, so I, I believe that we need to govern insurance companies. I believe that insurance companies need to remember that um, they are supposed to be helping take care of people um, and that the profit margin should not be their central focus. Um, there are more barriers. We are losing good doctors uh, every day because insurance companies are running them out of practice. Yeah. And, I, and I can speak for our clinic. I don't know about everybody else's, but I don't feel like we order a lot of unnecessary things because I talk to patients about that. Like, I don't like unnecessary medical bills or surprise medical bills. So I will often tell patients like, hey, this is what I'm concerned about. These are the steps that we need to do to either make this more cost efficient or you may have to pay $120 for this lab because I know it is not covered, but I really feel like you need it. Yes. So that's also where my thing back to primary care, like these are conversations that you can have with someone that you trust, but I don't feel like we're just like, here, here's a free for all, go get an entire body scan. And you know, like, I think most of the good clinicians who um, are feeling like they're getting run out of medicine feel the same. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to call someone at the insurance company and tell them why you ordered the test. The answer is always the same because they need it. <laughs> well, and because they're sitting in front of you. I went to school for a really long time. I took their history. I did their physical, and I need to rule this out because it could be a really bad thing if we don't. Yeah. That's why I ordered the test. Yes. It's you know not because I feel like the people at the hospital don't make enough money on their MRI machine. Yeah. You know, it's come on. 
Um, and and it, it becomes so frustrating having to justify why you've done things. You've done things because you think it's in the patient's best interest. Yeah. yeah. Um, which brings me to, you know, I've said a couple times now, insurance companies are running good doctors out of the business. Um, another thing that's broken in our healthcare system is we are understaffed. We are hugely understaffed. Yeah. I don't know if the country realizes what crisis we are on the brink of. Which for us, like when I, I mean, I heard this 23 years ago, which is crazy to me. <laughs> Thinking, you know, like, because now I've been in, in medicine now in some sort of capacity for 23 years. And, and we were short then. Yeah. And we, the baby boomers had not gotten into where the baby boomers are now. Yes. So now we so are we even, more patients than we <laughs> way ever more had. Patients. And then came a pandemic. Yeah. And if you were already frustrated with insurance, frustrated with the fact that you had too many barriers to helping people, frustrated with another really broken thing in our healthcare system that you're on this hamster wheel running as fast as you can to see patients as fast as you can, because insurance companies have created... Um, I need to do a referral. I need to um, get a PA. I need to do all these other things. And so um, the average amount of staff that it takes for one clinician is five staff members. So we have 10 uh, providers. That's 50 staff members we have to fund. Well, insurance doesn't pay us anymore. So you have to see more patients. So you end up having this limited time with patients. So providers were already, I don't get enough time with my patients. I don't like all these obstacles. And then came a pandemic. And if you were on the fence of thinking that you might not want to do this job, the working in the hospital while you're taking person after person off the vent was enough. Yeah. And so the number is shortage of 124,000 physicians in the next 10 years. You can't build a physician overnight. And so we've got to get on this now. Mm -hmm. We've got to increase the number of kids that we are letting into med schools. We have got to increase the number of funded residency spots. There have the, the, the leaders that be have got to get on this. And then even more striking, 1.2 million nurses will be needed by 2030. And that's not that far away when you think about it. It is not. And, and if years. we start building them now, it's going to take us four years to create one. Yeah. And so, and that's if the person is ready to go now. So we've got to open nursing spots. How many good people do we know that are going to be fabulous nurses who can't get into nursing yeah. school because there's just not enough spots? You know, we've got to fix our system to be able to start preparing for this. And if you are listening to this and you're feeling frustrated because you're the next new patient appointment at your local primary care was six months out, it's not true for us. It's true for a lot of places. Um, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're not going to, I have a patient who drives from Alabama to see us. Um, she's a Medicare patient and within an hour of her home, she cannot find a primary care doctor who accepts Medicare, not just one that's on a wait list, but one that accepts Medicare at all. Yeah. Um, and her daughter drives her over to us three hours um, which is a wonderful thing that she has that option, but it worries me for navigating her care for us here, navigating our care in Alabama. Yeah. So there are, um, we could go on and on mm -hmm. and on about, we don't have enough time to take care of the patients. The insurance has too many, too much control over what's happening for the patient and for the doctor. We have a fragmented system where the people in the hospital aren't talking to the outpatient doctors who aren't able to talk to the specialists, who aren't able to talk to the patient. Um, and the communication's not what it needs to yeah. be. There's a lot of things that we need to start 
trying to make steps in the right direction. I think first we need to recognize that this is an issue. Um, We need to really, all of us need to recognize that this should be one of the things that we vote based on. Um, what is your local representative going to do for your healthcare system? Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Um, you know, it may not be a big deal to you until you need it. And then it's, it's literally life or death. Yeah. And I, I, you, you were just mentioning communication between healthcare and I feel like thankfully, um, within our practice and within this area, we have established good relationships with other specialists. Like if I am super worried about a patient, I can pick up my cell phone yes. and call Several of the Our physicians are so incredible. So many people who uh, love and care for met people. The podcast. Yes, we call them and they say, "I'll see him today. Yes. I'll see him today." But that's not the case in a lot of places. These that- relationships don't exist like they used to when yeah. doctors round in the hospital and they all would you know pow wow together, yeah. Lounge and those those relationships you have to put energy into yeah. making sure that they exist yeah. now. So I feel like that's um, that's one good thing that I think we can offer patients, but that is definitely not the norm. Yeah, um, is for patients to be able to say like I had a patient who I saw, I was super concerned. Um, I knew he was going to need multiple specialists very quickly, um, and so I have I had the GI, I had the oncology. Uh, I had this surgeon in my phone without a two month wait, without a two month wait and said, Hey, can you please work them in within the next week? And they were all more than willing to. Um, And so, you know, not that it's always about who, you know, but in a small town in our type of area, like we are are so blessed to be able to offer that to patients. And I don't think they realize how, how, significant that well, is when you're sitting home sick waiting three weeks for the doctor's appointment yes, then you realize stressful. Yeah. so um but yeah communication between providers I feel like is also something that's a little bit broken which we try to bridge that gap but that's I know not always the case not that people don't want to it's just almost impossible yeah so I feel um, like this was therapy for us yes. in that we got to vent about the things that do indeed drive us crazy about the jobs yeah. that we love. Yes. Um, you know, when you want to help people, you just don't want barriers to helping people. Yeah. Um, and uh, cost and insurance companies and access are barriers to helping people. And and I know that I love our country. I've worn a uniform for this country. I know we can do better. Um, we have to all be focused on putting energy toward doing better. I was going to say, like, what if, if listeners are like, oh, we are right there with you. Like, what can we do? Um, and, you know, to kind of help or navigate even for themselves. Um, and what would you say to that? I was, I was thinking, like, get a good primary care. Find somebody yeah. you trust. Get a good primary care. Try to understand the insurance system so that you can navigate okay. it because sometimes we don't get to play, make the game. We just have to play, play the game. And we also mentioned a uh, we had a insurance podcast several episodes back that they could reference about kind of how to navigate like cost for your medications yeah, yes. and what does this actually mean yeah and, so, and you can look into that and more. understanding what you actually have and think about what you vote for and how you vote for it because we have to keep health care as a really important thing um in uh um what we're legislating yeah. you know we have to continue the affordable care act i offered more resources we have to keep pushing Healthcare should always be something that we're talking about yeah. how do we improve it in this yeah. country there are things we can do and i think first and foremost we have to recognize that we need to do things yeah thanks so much for joining us today and i uh, we will try to not rant on too many future episodes but we appreciate you listening to this rant and we hope that there's a takeaway 
We like to end you on a good note. Today's Tell Me Something Good is, and this is appropriate, our wellness center. Wellness Center has been a long time in the making. We are so excited about what we can do to help people through our Wellness Center, and it is coming soon. Please come visit us in our Wellness Center. It is definitely something good. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take care of yourself.